Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to Twits in Love, a steampunk distraction by Tom Allen Robbins. We left our hero, Cyril Chippington Smythe, trying to extricate himself from the toothy jaws of Alice Witherspoon. So far, everything seems to be going to plan, but disaster lurks around every corner. Join us now for Chapter 2, A Beastly Day at the Club. With great power comes great responsibility, or some such drivel. Noblesse oblige, don't you know? Nary a hair of Alice Witherspoon had I seen for lo these many days. One assumed that she and Binky were thick as thieves, plotting to murder the first-born males unto the tenth generation, and so on. Bentley had come to the rescue, and I was in his debt. Nevertheless, there are some boundaries that a chap simply can't cross if he is not to be a serf in his own home. Bentley... Where is the new waistcoat I ordered from Borgen and Botts? I'm sorry, sir. Was that a waistcoat? I took it for a pillow sham. The colour was so unusual. The colour is perfect. I have it on the best authority that everyone will be wearing lavender by abdication Sunday. It is unsuitable, sir. Coming from Bentley, calling something unsuitable is the equivalent of a normal person lifting a leg and urinating on it. I suppose I should have run a purchase like this past him first, but a chap has to stand up for himself from time to time. I have detected a disturbing tendency in you lately to pass judgment on my apparel, Bentley. Am I imagining it? I could not say, sir. I have no imagination. I merely note that your club has very specific rules about one's colour palette, and that lavender, or indeed any shade of purple, fails to clear the bar. Times are a-changing, Bentley. I am the new wind that uh, uh, sweeps away something or other. Uh, Or the the new broom? Something new and uh, sweepy. And presumably lavender. Well, bring forth the vest in question. It is at the cleaners, sir. Is it indeed? I glared at him suspiciously, but as he has no conscience, my efforts were in vain. Will you be lunching at the club? I imagine so. Unless it's impossible mutton. I detest impossible mutton. If sir would place his arms in the sleeves. Dressing for the club is like donning medieval armor. The girdle, the underclothes, the stockings, the shirt and pantaloons, then the waistcoat, the jacket and sash, and finally, the brooches and the shoes. Mm, The horrible shoes. Breathe deeply, sir. The toes will grow numb in a moment. Why? That is what I ask myself. What purpose do these thumbscrews for the feet serve? Fashion follows its own logic, sir. I have heard it speculated that impractical shoes demonstrate superiority. One is too rarefied to walk quickly, one will be waited for. Oh, goodness, I'm late. Carry me to the car, there's a good man. Bentley hoisted me as if I were a kitten and glided to the garage where my chariot awaited. 
This week, it was a literal chariot drawn by six mechanical horses. Won't they goggle at the club when I clatter up in this? Where, where do I sit? I believe you are meant to stand, sir. In these shoes? Not bloody likely. Well, you could sit on the floor of the chariot with your legs folded. Um, not very heroic, what? Perhaps not, sir. I did advise against the chariot, if you recall. You forget yourself, Bentley. I am the master of my... Uh, something or other. Now prop me up and punch in the address of the club. There's a good fellow. As I clattered up one street and down another, clutching desperately to the sides of my chariot, I strove for a look of benign condescension. The hoi polloi parted in front of me. One particularly threadbare group tried to slow my progress by shouting and waving placards, but mechanical horses are illiterate, and they were forced to dive out of the way. Upon arriving at the club, my chariot was blocked by C. Langford Cheeseworth, who was descending from a jeweled palanquin, carried by eight turbaned golems. Don't dawdle, Cheeseworth. Some of us have places to be. Give one a moment, won't you, Sybil? These beasts with shoes keep catching on each other and twipping one. Sorry, old trout. I sympathize. Oh, how I miss the embroidered slippers of last season. You mustn't regret the past. It gives you wrinkles. I noticed another crowd of discontented-looking townsfolk standing across the boulevard with more placards. I was able to make out one sign which stated, No bread, no peace. What do you suppose that's about? Apparently, they are devotees of bread. And they lack that particular comestible? Presumably. Well, there are any number of other foodstuffs. If there is a shortage of bread, let them eat impossible mutton, for example. I could certainly have my share. <laughs> There's no pleasing some people. It's all spite and envy. See you inside, dear boy. I stepped gingerly from my chariot and teetered to the brass-bound door of Twits, the club of the Chippington Smythes since time immemorial. Lovingly patched and polished, nothing had changed since my great-grandfather's time, including Evans, the doorman. Good morning, Evans. Good morning, sir. Did you notice the new chariot? Rather spiffy, don't you think? Yes, sir. I thought so last week when Mr. Attenborough had it. What? That chariot? Yes, sir. Last week? Yes, sir. Damn! Listen, Evans, call the manufacturer and have it picked up. I'll find another way home. Of course, sir. I fear our announcement failed to reach you this morning. Oh, well, what announcement is that? Amendment to the dress code, sir. Hats now required. I glanced around the entry hall and noted the plethora of fanciful headgear. Drat! Look here, Evans. I will visit the haberdasher first thing tomorrow morning. Sorry, sir. Club rules. Oh, well, this is most upsetting. We do have some loners, sir. That's all right, then. Trot one out. Evans reached into the coat check and produced a bonnet that resembled a giant tea cozy. Oh, don't you have something more stylish? If the loners were too fashionable, there would be no incentive to purchase a hat of your own. Would there, sir? Mm -hmm. Oh, it smells of urine. Mm, I'm afraid the club cat has taken a fancy to that one. And I have to wear this at all times? No respite? Rules, sir. Without them, all would be fire and flood. We have a hatter on call. 
There is an extra charge, but of course such trifling sums are beneath your notice. Rogers, the maitre d' had been seating me in the dining room since I was in knee pants. He and Evans were identical models, but I could always distinguish Rogers by a tiny repair on his left ear, a souvenir of the riots of 04 when the last breeding pair of beef cattle were stabbed to death by club members insisting on the tradition of the Sunday roast. Good morning, sir. Rogers, what's the bill of fare today? Impossible mutton, sir. Oh, is it? Blast! Any chance of a Welsh rarebit? We have a Guatemalan rarebit, sir, but I really can't recommend it. If your objection to Impossible Mutton is based on the rumor that it contains human flesh, I assure you that it was denied most vigorously by the manufacturer. No, it's the taste I object to, or rather the aftertaste. There's a tang of petroleum jelly that I know some people love, but I can't seem to scrape it off the old tongue. I understand, sir. Tell the waiter with the bread basket to stay within my gravitational orbit. By the by, there's a small mob outside that seems keen on acquiring some bread. Perhaps you could fling some rolls their way. I'm afraid not, sir. Club policy. Table for one. <laughs> Wouldn't that be paradise? No, I'm meeting my Uncle Hugo. There he is. The bullet-headed old gent waving from behind that potted palm. My Uncle Hugo was what is known as a serious man. This meant that he knew his net worth to the penny and disapproved of anyone enjoying anything. He wore a tiny black silk top hat that perched on his shiny dome like a sparrow on a monument. What on earth is on your head? Loner. Didn't get the message. What's that you're sporting? They call it a fascinator. I'm assured it is quite the thing. Oh, how does it stay on? Glue? You look like a damned organ grinder's monkey. I might be insulted if I knew what an organ grinder was. Or a monkey. Monkeys are, or rather were, oh, damn the great extinction. I take it they ground their prey's organs into some sort of paste before consuming them. I will not be baited into attempting to educate you. I am not Sisyphus. Even if you were, they have medication for that now. Sit down before you fall down. Death before dishonor. Death before dishonor. <laughs> what ridiculous shoes. They're the latest thing, Uncle. Everyone is wearing them. I suppose if everyone cut off their big toe, you'd do it too. Well, the shoes would certainly fit more easily. You're late. I've ordered your mutton. Have you? How kind. That rather used up Uncle Hugo's conversation for a spell. We sat awkwardly, stealing furtive looks around the dining room and rolling bread into tiny balls. Rogers paced about the dining room with his gong. The North American beaver has been declared extinct. Polls indicate that the vast majority of the population was unaware of its existence. In business news, the price of human organ futures rose 5% this morning, with kidneys up 6% and livers up 3%. Hospitals are swamped as speculators rush to sell in a bull market. I say, Rogers, these pronouncements are rather gruesome. Isn't the news of the day usually a little more upbeat? Sales in the dining room have fallen off, sir, and research has shown that when customers are fearful and anxious, they spend significantly more. Do they? Carry on, then. Yes, sir. Allow me to mention that the smallpox has reappeared in Asia. The end is nigh! Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. The waiter brought two steaming platters of mutton-like slices swathed in something glutinous. 
I sighed inwardly. <sighs> Something wrong with your mutton? Sorry, I thought I sighed inwardly. I slid my mutton around the plate and hid slices under my Beyond Lettuce squares. My uncle attacked his meal like it owed him money and didn't speak again until he had wiped the plate clean with a slice of bread. He sighed and sat back in his chair. So, you're wondering why I asked you here today. It wasn't for the pleasure of my company. It was not. Next week is your birthday. I don't want a big party. I plan no party of any kind. Oh. You are reaching the age stipulated in your trust, at which your assets revert to you entirely without restrictions. Oh, but I still get my allowance. No, you get everything. But not my allowance. Try to focus. There will be no need for an allowance. You will possess the entire contents of the trust. And what is that? Great thundering cats. Do you have no inkling of what is in your trust? Should I? Yes, you dundering idiot. You will be one of the richest men on the planet. You have a responsibility. To do what? To preserve it. To invest it wisely. To pass it on to the next generation. Not really sure I want a next generation. A lot of bother. Children and so on. Yes, well, there's plenty of time for that. Right now, I need you to grasp the seriousness of the situation. Who's been running things up to now? The lawyers and financial managers of the trust. Can't they keep doing what they've been doing? Well, yes, I suppose so. Meh. Problem solved. What's for pudding? The Pels will be narrower by three millimeters beginning Wednesday. Appointments with club tailors can be booked at the concierge desk. Do I have the pleasure of addressing Mr. Chippetin Smythe? You do. I'm glad you find it pleasurable. Some of my relations tell me it can be a trial. I am Ahmed bin Fitzwilliam, the club hatter. Ah, just in the nick of time. Indeed, sir. The hats distributed as placeholders are painful to contemplate. And they smell of piss. I think we can do better, can't we? Now, what sort of thing did you have in mind? I don't know. Um, some sort of fedora? Oh, no, sir. That would be most unsuitable. Why's that? It's commonplace. We wouldn't want to be commonplace, would we? Heavens no. What you want is something original. Something that will excite envy in all who behold you. And you can deliver such a headpiece. <laughs> that is my art, sir. I, I never thought of hats as an art before. One of the oldest, after all. What is a hat? It's, uh, hmm. Uh, well. The question was rhetorical, sir. Oh, well, I would have gotten it in a moment, though. A hat is a crown that is within the means of the poorest among us. Yes, it keeps us warm in the winter and shades us from the rays of the summer sun, but these are secondary. A hat perched just above the organs of sight is a statement. It tells the approaching stranger everything he needs to know at a glance. Are you timid? Bold? Sexually confused. It's all there in your hat. My job is to ascertain your essence and to create a hat that will announce you to the world. Here are some examples of my work. 
He held up a golden sombrero with bright red ribbons cascading down the back. This was a commission for Rory Badminton Jones, the actor. It's rather gaudy, isn't it? That is the point, sir. Anyone could slide into a room with a piece of felt that says, Oh, don't look at me. I'm not important. A hat like this says, I don't give a damn what you think. I have the confidence to wear this, and if you don't like it, you can love it. Rather. And when they're staring at the fantastical creation on your head, they are not staring at your close-set eyes, your beak-like nose, your lack of chin. No, all they see is the hat, and you have merely to bask in its reflected glory. I say, I'm in. Excellent. Fill out this questionnaire and bring it back to the concierge desk. Your hat will be delivered to your home in three days. But do I have to wear this hideous thing until then? No, sir. I will loan you this sombrero for the duration. Thank you, sir. I bid you a good day. Uncle Hugo's sweating pate had turned a deep maroon. He mopped it with his napkin and waved to the waiter. At this point, I noticed a rather furtive binky signaling to me from behind a carving station. He widened his eyes and jerked his chin theatrically toward the lobby. Then he put his hands in his pockets and sauntered, whistling out the dining room door. Uh, sorry, Uncle Hugo, I've just seen someone I must have a word with. You'll consider what I've said. Oh, deeply. Richly. I have sent you a comprehensive list of your holdings. Will you read it? Unquestionably. There are no pictures. Oh, well, then I'll have Bentley read it and give me the gist. Tata, love to Aunt Hypatia. You should call on her. She is incomprehensibly fond of you. Oh, yeah, well, I shall. Tally-ho. Psst. Cyril, over here. Who are you hiding from? No one. I'm, I'm not hiding. You're crouching behind a chair. I... I'm exercising. Oh, oh, jolly good. Continue. He jogged in place for a moment, swinging his arms in random directions. <laughs> Death before dishonor. Oh, yeah, ditto. Ooh, that's better. My blood is racing. Evans floated up. Did the gentleman wish an appointment with the tailors? No, thank you, Evans. My valet will see to it. Very good, sir. Three millimeters? Shocking. I just had all my lapels let out. It's exhausting. Did you want to speak to me about something? His eyes took on a shifty look. Oh, it's nothing, really. It's just... At that moment, Cheeseworth staggered up, wincing with every step. They weren't so bloody pointy. Sorry, old boy, this is a private conversation. Those are the best kind. Pray continue. Binker folded his arms and stared at Cheeseworth frostily. I have nothing more to say. What an enigma you are today, Binker. How have you been, Cheeseworth? <sighs> Tolerable. One thought the club might cheer one up, but one might as well be in a wax museum. No one in this beastly club ever has the good taste to die. Careful a wobble of Gwidge. Oh, sorry, old boy. I must be toddling off. Binkia? 
bridge is the opiate of the people. One begs one's pardon? It deadens empathy and distracts from the disillusion of the human race as a species. I don't think you're playing it right. I cannot play games of any kind until all are free. <laughs> it's frivolous. Men does not live by bread alone, dear boy. Without frivolity, wife is a barren wasteland. Nevertheless. <sighs> Very well. Perhaps I'll take in the cockfights. Or a beer beating. Are you passing my way? I could use a ride. What happened to your chariot? It was obsolete. So am I, dear boy. So am I. Come along. I say, room for one more. The more the merrier. Avanti. Nifty palaquin, Cheeseworth. I'm trading it in tomorrow for a camel caravan encrusted with rubies. These ostentatious vehicles are the opiate of the people. I thought bridge was the opiate of the people. That too. There's opium everywhere if you know where to look. Perhaps you should see someone about your obsession with drugs. I say, Binky, you were just about to ask me something. Was I? Yes, at the club. You said there was something. He glanced suspiciously at Cheeseworth and finally shrugged. <laughs> oh well. I wondered if you were going to the country this weekend and whether I might tag along. Absolutely. And Alice? Oh, what ho, that's a bit thick. Alice Witherspoon. The Ivory Empress. The Toofy Tyrant. <laughs> you are speaking of the woman I love. Pardon me, I'm sure. She's changed, Cyril. Been to the dentist, you mean? <laughs> she and I are one now. The struggle has united us. Look, old man, I think it's a simply beastly idea to bring Alice, but if that's what you wish, I can deny you nothing. Just don't blame me if the sight of me causes her to flare her nostrils and whinny. I am not afraid. I'm going to the country this weekend. Cheeseworth House is minutes away from your chateau. I'll pop over and watch the fireworks. I'll bring my ward, Pansy. You've never met her, Sybil. I don't believe so. She's absolutely hopeless, but one has a responsibility. Sounds delightful. And the palaquin bearers stamped to a halt. Here we are. Sorry to hurry you along, but those bears won't bait themselves. Do you bait them personally? Certainly. I am ruthless. I attack their execrable fashion sense, their lack of wit, their excess of body hair. I make those bears weep, I can tell you. Well, good luck. Thanks awfully for the lift, Cheeseworth. Ta-ta! Spot of tea? No thanks, gotta run. So, we're on for the weekend? Absolutely, counting on it. Pinky averted his eyes and began kicking at the gravel. Uh, the house is, um, near Little Climping? You've been there dozens of times. He screwed up his face to indicate heavy thinking and locked his fingers behind his back. Right. It's, um, near that hydrogen plant, isn't it? Well, as you well know, you can see it from the dining room window. good -oh. Until the weekend. He sauntered off in a somewhat serpentine manner, eventually reversing direction and hurrying down the street, as if pursued. As I stepped into the foyer, I saw, out of the corner of my eye, an unfamiliar houndstooth check skirt whipping around a corner. I say, Bentley, who's that? No one, sir. Welcome home. But I saw someone. 
didn't I? I eyed him suspiciously, but Bentley could give the Sphinx lessons in inscrutability. I think not, sir. Did I see Mr. Wickford Davies departing in a rather eccentric manner? You did. Binky will be joining us in the country for the weekend. Very good, sir. And Alice. I see, sir. I'm not happy about it either. You must be extra vigilant. My surveillance is ongoing, sir. How is Mr. Wickfield Davies' pursuit of Miss Witherspoon progressing? They are as two cherries on a single stem. I must say, you're a wizard in the Cupid department. One does what one can. What's in the larder? I'm starved. Would sir care for some pizza rolls? Rather. I'll just peel off these shoes and cauterize my feet. Your uncle has sent a rather large package. That's a list of my worldly goods. Digest it for me and bring me the... No, no, that's not a good metaphor. Sift it and bring me the lumps. Well, you know what I mean. Of course, sir. A shadow passed suddenly before my eyes, and I felt a yawning chasm open in my vitals. Oh, Bentley, it all seems so meaningless. I really feel I can't go another step. Did sir neglect to take his antidepressant this morning? I can't remember. It's all so foggy. Here we are, sir. Bentley lifted me gently and deposited me in my favorite armchair before a roaring, simulated fire. He tipped two tablets into my palm from a vial he took from his vest pocket. Take your nice pills and I'll be back with the pizza rolls in a trice. There might even be a bit of real chocolate after the pizza rolls. I felt a warm glow begin in my toes and work its way upward. Real chocolate? Where on earth did you find it? I have my ways, sir. <sighs> I am all right now. Thank you, Bentley. I don't know how I'd get on without you. One feels quite undeserving of such accolades, sir. Shall I bring a ramekin of marinara for dipping? Ooh, by all means. Let's have a goddamn bacchanalia. As Bentley glided off to the kitchen, I wiggled my toes and gazed into the fire. I felt that all was right with the world. An impression that would prove to be sadly misguided. A near escape from the clutches of existential angst for Cyril. But what complications are waiting at the country estate? Irresistible forces are converging on our hero. Join us next time for Chapter 3, A Hot Time at the Old Chateau. Toodaloo! And now, let us bow down before the brilliance of our cast, without whom we would be as dust, blown hither and yon by the winds of fortune. Michael Urey as Cyril Chippington Smythe. Christian Borrell as Cheswick Whitford Davies, Binky to his friends, Dakin Matthews as Bentley, Nick Sullivan as Uncle Hugo, Stephen DeRosa as C. Langford Cheeseworth, Teddy Udane as Rogers and Evans, James Monroe Iglehart as Ahmed Ben Fitzwilliam, and yours truly, Lilius White as a disembodied omnipotent voice. Written by Tom Allen Robbins. Co-directed by Tom Allen Robbins and Dory Berenstein. Produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Brittany Bigelow, and the Broadway Podcast Network. Press 
marketing, social media by Katie Rosen, Ayana Prescott, sound effects consultant, Eric Wright, sound designer and editor, Brett Ashley, executive produced by Liz Armstrong. Good day. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.